Welcome back to Share the Rock on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major streaming platform. I haven't had a show in about three weeks, but I'm happy to return with my two of my best friends, Gregory Esposito and Ed Olson. How are you guys tonight? What's up, Lou? What's up, Lucas? What's going on, guys? I'm really happy to have you guys on. You know, we've watched the NBA together for, you know, all of our childhoods and in high school, too, and... Uh, with all the recent news, I'm sure you guys have a lot of great stuff to add. Um, so I'm just excited to get into it. So without any further ado, let's hop right into the first thing we'll be talking about tonight. And that, of course, would be, you know, the NBA's returning to play. So what a whirlwind of news the past few weeks on the NBA's return, combined with the civil unrest caused by the tragic killing of George Floyd. Rest in peace. We've come to learn so much about the details surrounding Adam Silver's plan to reopen in Orlando, Florida at ESPN's Wide World of Sports. Some salient and important details about this plan include a list of uh, various uh, perks and amenities that Disney will provide to every team and player, which includes, but is not limited to, daily movie screenings, including unreleased movies, live DJ sets, video games, ping pong, live concerts, pools, barbers, as well as five-star hotels with the top-seeded teams receiving the best. Players will also be asked to wear a social, di- a social distancing proximity alarm, which will go off if you spend more than five seconds within six feet of someone else. That sounds a little ridiculous, but that's actually something that was out- outlined in the 113-page memo. There's also, and we're going to get into this later, an anonymous hotline being added to report uh, violations of, of protocols. So like I said before, it was a 113-page memo that the league sent to players about you know, the various rules and regulations you know, if they choose to come play in Orlando. So just to kind of give my two cents on, of, on this whole thing, based on what we have heard, I think this is an absolute train wreck, absolute disaster, and I'll tell you why. You can't tell players things like no doubles in ping pong. Literally, one of the bullet points was bullet, uh, excuse me, doubles in ping pong is not allowed. You can't have pets, meaning no dogs, cats, you know, players, best friend, dogs, things like that. No pets. And you can't, and this is the most ridiculous. After you play a game of cards, you have to throw it out after you play. Nobody has like the presence of mind to, you know, adhere to dozens of pages of specific rules, like nitpicky this, nitpicky that with be, with the risk of violating these rules being asked to leave or significant pay cuts. And also on a fundamental level, just kind of going big picture here. Why would anyone, really anyone at any level of the NBA, leave the respective safety of their home and families to go on a to go to a quote unquote bubble in Orlando? If you're Kawhi, Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, any you know top level player, any other superstar, what's in it for you? You have all the money you need already. You don't really need to prove anything else beyond what you've proved. And anyone that wins a championship this season will have an asterisk on it. If you're a minimum contract player barely hanging on to a roster, why would you take that risk? The team might not even play you, and you're going to risk getting coronavirus? I can't see, from most players' perspectives, a reason, a strong reason to go into a bubble, quote-unquote, where you have to be constantly paranoid about the various rules. What do you guys think about, you know, all the things we've learned about the bubble, and is it realistic for it to happen at the end of July here? I I personally, I think that... uh... The NBA has done a great job of trying to start the uh, restart of the basketball season, unlike uh, some leagues like the MLB. Um, I think that it's uh, Adam Silver has done a great job of um, being persistent of getting basketball back um, to live television. I think that's great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, two weeks ago, you know, me and you were talking uh, personally, separately. You know, we thought this was a great idea. Now, with this 113-page memo, you know, it's just, it's, it's a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I'm a player, it's, it's very hard now for me to, to really get back and going um, with, with this, with, you know, the no pets and throwing out decks of cards. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, if I'm a player, I'm, I'm very hesitant about going into this bubble. I think that it's a great, I think that it's great that the NBA is trying to bring back basketball it's just it's just sad that all these have to be in place and from what from what i'm seeing i don't think it will work out mm-hmm. you know i'm just happy basketball's back to start with you know I, th- I think most people just in general like in general you know miss sports like we didn't have anything to watch for what three four months now and i, I think most people are going to be pretty excited and i think if most of the top tier superstars aren't playing. I don't know how many people are really gonna want to watch. Yeah. Even if they, you know, they do show up, there are so many rules and regulations they have to follow. I'm, I'm not sure they're really gonna take the time. And like you said earlier, they already have enough money. So what's the point of driving down or flying down to a bubble site where you have the chance of catching the virus? I'd much rather just stay home with my family, relax, and get ready for next season. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, go I agree with that. I don't think I don't I don't think these top tier players or even the players in general want to go into this bubble. I think every single NBA fan, every single um every single person who watches basketball wants these players to go into the bubble. I think Adam Silver and the NBA um the NBA brand itself and the people around it want these players to go into the bubble. Um, I just don't think the players themselves want to go into the bubble. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So both of you make really good points. I just think the main thing for me with like most players is that you don't actually know like where all of the other players like on the other teams have been. Like you know, it's you know, it's it's always nice to assume that people are you know staying safe and following social distancing guidelines and all those things. But the true when the you know when push comes to shove. You don't actually know where every second where these players are, and you got like I believe four up four like four hundred plus players in, in the NBA right now. Like, you know, if you account for all the players on all the rosters, and if you're bringing, and also the NBA said you can have a maximum of seventeen players, so that's two extra people you have to worry about per team. So I just think that there's it's just way too complicated. I mean, I just feel like you know as an NBA fan, this is tough to say, but. The, the best course of action here, and this might not be, you know, in terms of uh, finances and money, bottom line for the NBA may not be the best. But in terms of practicality, there is no way that you can send a 113-page memo to players and expect them to adhere to these really, really specific rules. It's just you can't remember everything. You can't balance, like, your family life and, you know, potentially getting pay cuts. It's just too much stress. So if I was a player... You know, I just kind of say, you know what, this situation sucks, but we always got next season. So, 
That's what I think. And they're they're also allowed to jump ship, I believe, right? Yeah, so that's interesting you bring that up because players, um, ESPN came out with a great article by ESPN came out that said um, players are not going to be penalized for leaving Orlando or not going, but they're also not going to be paid, which I think is pretty interesting. I haven't taken much time to sit down and think about what that actually means, you know, in practice. But I think it's good to not punish anyone that doesn't want to put themselves at risk. You know what I mean? So... I think that's a good train of thought by the league to not penalize the players. But not paying them, I mean, maybe a pay cut, but I'm not sure about paying them zero for not coming. If you're not going to play, then why, why do you deserve to, to get paid? I mean... Yeah, you can look at it from both sides. Here. Yeah, you, you, you can look at it from both sides. I mean, and also later in the show, we'll, I mean, we're going get, to go, get really deep into other reasons why, you know... Players such as Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, and Kyrie Irving, you know, are not exactly um, enthusiastic, to put it lightly, about the return. But that's for later. So one thing that I want to add to this, uh, I I talked about before, you know, towards the top of the show, is the NBA's hotline number, which again is a number to call in and report violations of uh, the rules the NBA put out, social distancing, things like that. So I wanted to ask, you know, not many people are thinking of it like this, but I just wanted to ask, you know, your guys' opinion. Will this be a bad idea in terms of um, disrupting team chemistry? And I'll give you an example of this. Imagine the Utah Jazz for a second. Rudy Gobert had the coronavirus, and he didn't take it seriously. There were reports at the time that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and I'm not sure how they are now, but that put a major stain on their relationship. What if Gobert is caught doing goofing off again, and Donovan Mitchell calls the league, uh, you know, not saying it's Donovan Mitchell, but uh, an anonymous call, right? And that fractures their relationship even more because then the whole locker room is going to be like, yo, who called? Who called on him? Who called on him? Who called on him? So I think there's that element that could completely disrupt the locker room chemistry. Or could it be good, you know, if players are honest and, you know, uh, and as a result of the hotline, the spread will be kind of slowed or stopped. How do you think this will play out from a team bonding perspective? You know, this could either really help or really hurt players. I feel like it's either going to like totally destroy team chemistry, like you said, or it may actually bring them together. But I think the biggest issue is there. I feel like there's going to be a lot of snitches, a lot of guys trying to get other teams in trouble, other players in trouble, trying to ruin their team chemistry. And if the season does continue in the bubble, I think that could have really big impacts on the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that um, to an extent. I, I'm not sure if other other players are going to be calling, uh, calling like, you know, if I'm Patrick Beverly, I'm going to call the league about LeBron James, you know, <laughs> hanging out with a couple of his buddies. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But, like, like, I do agree. Like, this can go either way for, for a team. Um, do I do I agree with this hotline? I you know I don't know. I haven't really thought about it that much. I read it a couple of days ago, and I was just like, huh, hotline? Like, you know, the, you know, a lot of a lot of what the NBA is doing. Um, they're being very persistent with this. They're making sure that the players are not going to catch it, which is a great thing. Um, are they going in a little overboard with this hotline? I don't know. Um, uh, you know, it's just. It's just something to really, really sit back on. And if if the season does happen, it'll be very interesting to see what this hotline does to a to the locker room chemistry of the uh, of a team. 
we're looking at you, Chris Paul and D'Angelo Russell in particular. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea. You know, the sentiment is there. The idea is there. The moral value is there. But I just don't think from a grown man's perspective, like, you're going to call in against someone, especially your own teammate. Think about what that might do because the NBA doesn't want people leaving the bubble. And let's say someone does something really bad. That puts them in a tough position because the NBA doesn't want them leaving and coming back in or whatever. But the team also doesn't want that guy around them either. So I think that while the hotline's good, in actual practice, I don't think that it would work as effectively as Adam Silver thinks. It's a good idea, though. I mean, it's, it's a good idea trying to trying to get players to to if if they see something, trying to get players to to speak out and to say, "Hey, this is happening." You know, there's a there's a greater risk of this of you know this player getting getting the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just them trying to be safe. Yeah. You know, is it going to work? I don't really think so. Me neither. Ed, if you have any closing up comments on this before we before we move on. No, that's basically all I have. I mean, everything else has been pretty much said. All right, cool. Yeah, so, you know, it, obviously it remains to be seen if this bubble will even happen at all. Uh, you know, we're hoping for any form of live play. But um, I do want to dive deep here, like I mentioned before, into players that uh, are not for returning, players that are opposed to returning, namely Kyrie Irving, Avery Badley, and Dwight Howard, all who make up a coalition of players that have proposed some pretty radical ideas as opposed to the bubble, such as Kyrie Irving even said that the players should start their own league, break off from the NBA. So, you know, mixed in with all these player reactions, the comments of Kyrie and Avery Bradley kind of resonated loudest with me for some reason. I just thought that they, uh, I thought, I mean, I don't agree with their points, but I think that they make, you know, loud and good points. Kyrie Irving said, quote, I don't support going into Orlando. I'm not with the systematic racism and the BS. Something smells a little fishy. Um, Kyrie Irving is also frequently cited resuming play as a distraction from the bigger picture social issues going on with police brutality, racism, and things of that nature, which we'll get into a little bit later as well. Avery Bradley, uh, the starting shooting guard for the Lakers, said, the actual act of sitting out doesn't directly fight systemic racism, but it does highlight the reality that without black athletes, the NBA wouldn't be what it is today. The league has a responsibility to our communities in helping to empower us, just as we have made the NBA brand strong. Um, So... I don't really agree with what they're saying, but I think I find myself gravitating towards Bradley's comments a little more than Kyrie's. I think that, you know, with Bradley, with Avery Bradley saying that with no black athletes, because black players do make up roughly 75-ish percent of the NBA, the NBA would not be it would not be what it is today. And obviously, you know, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis, I mean, a bunch of the top stars, stars are black. And it, it, and it is definitely true that without black contributions and black players, the NBA would not be the same. But kind of going back to the overall, you know, the sentiment of their comments, I don't agree mainly because if the players can play amid a very turbulent time in this nation and, you know, with, the, with these like pretty much weekly examples of another tragedy in the news with the oppression of minorities, I think it actually proves they can overcome the social challenge and fight the good fight here. 
giving people a way to unite black, white, whatever, wherever you're from, whatever ethnicity you are, sports have a way of uniting people and closing divides and healing bridges. So I think that playing would amplify that platform. Not returning would actually also have long-lasting financial effects on the league, as well as kind of giving a somewhat dysfunctional look to the players. You know, you can't really come, people might say, you can't come to an agreement, you can't just play. So with all these comments and thoughts factored in, and also with your guys' experience, you know, knowing sports the way you do, what do you think about the whole uh, mental you know, thought process about social issues, namely George Floyd's death, possibly keeping players from going to Orlando. Um, so with my, with my experience with, uh, with sports, particularly baseball, I've always had, uh, a diverse, uh, group of athletes on my team. Um, so I've never, I've always seen sports as a way to unite people. Um, so I agree, I do agree with your statement, Lucas, about how, um, you know, I think that the, you know, coming together to play will, will help, um, will help the, the social change and quote unquote fight the good fight, um, that you were talking about. Um, I just... I don't know. It's it's weird to hear Kyrie and Avery Bradley um, speaking out just just as a. I don't know. I just I just feel like I just feel like they they have a great point in in saying you know let's not let's not play because of because of what's everything going on, but I feel like they should they should unite with uh, their teammates and as an NBA as whole to, to provide a platform for social change. I think that the NBA could be a huge platform and it already has, but I think, I think now definitely uh, the NBA could be a ginormous platform for social change in the U S today. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to agree completely with both what uh, you guys have said. I think if the NBA uh, can bring everyone together before the season starts. I think the NBA could like bring other sports such as uh, baseball and basketball together. And if all of those three major sports, you know, come together, there could be a real big change for social injustice. And I think this could be a real great thing for us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. At that point, where uh, bringing the bringing baseball and football together uh, into this could could help um, build a huge platform for uh, for social injustice. I, 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 I like that statement. Yeah, I just want to bring in one thing here. Um, Stephen A. Smith, you know, everyone knows who that is, uh, ESPN anchor, said something that I thought was, my, it sounds a little controversial, but when you think about it, I think it's actually true. I don't actually think that um, the social unrest in the country should be a driving issue or reason, you know, behind players not coming to play because by sitting out, you're not proving anything. I mean, in my opinion, I don't think that by not going to Orlando, you're saying that you don't stand with the protesters or you're saying that, you know, um, systemic racism and police brutality is, you know, okay with you. I don't think it says that about you at all. I think that going to play shows mental fortitude. And 
I just think I, I I don't I don't know how to phrase it, but Stephen A. Smith just brings up a great point with, you know, if people thought like this, you know, not going to work because of social issues all the time, then uh, every time a you know another tragedy comes out on the news, I mean, you don't really see uh, black people and other minorities not going to work. I just don't think that this should be a driving reason as to why Dwight Howard says to the Lakers, "I'm not coming in," because he can still make very positive change while playing while you know be getting paid giving people entertainment which actually will take people off the streets if you think about it more nba action will mean uh more people off the streets less people protesting and more gives people something to root for so uh gregory if you have something to add to that but i just think Stephen a made a great point there yeah no i definitely agree um i i said earlier that um these these comments are weird um and it, it kind of I kind of had to think about it a little bit more. Um, but to me, hearing these comments um, is almost like their their reasoning to not play, and it may connect with the bubble a little bit as well mm-hmm. for them not to go into the bubble. Not saying that, you know, what they're saying is, is false. I mean, what they're saying is completely true. Um, I'm just saying like, it could be, it could be another driving force for them to be like, look, I don't want to go into the bubble. Um, yeah, like that, that could be a driving force for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, uh, bubble side could be a force for it too. You know, I don't think really too many people, uh, really trust the course they're playing on either. Cause I don't know if they're going to be able to bring the courts they're used to playing on. And, you know, they could possibly be risking injury, too. And we already know Kyrie's hurt already, so he probably won't be playing. But I don't know how many other guys are really going to get hurt while being at the bubble site either. Yeah, like we saw with uh, Paul George and UNLV that um, during the, the USA. Uh, yeah, so, nasty injury. Nasty. Yes. Um, that was, yeah, that's... Like that's, a, that's a good point, having these different courts, not playing on the same courts, you know. Yeah, you know. Basketball is basketball, but these players are are used to playing at in, in the in the same setting. Well, uh, I, I just want to quickly respond to what you just said. I I don't think that it's the court uh, is much of the issue as it is the fact that the NBA is literally asking players to try to not like bite mouth guards too heavily, you know, touch their jerseys while they're sweating. I mean. It's too, back to what I was saying before, it's too complicated. It's just too complicated. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think that in life, things that, if you you keep adding things or like a mountain of things, people get lost in, lost in the sauce pretty much. And I just think that, I just, I think that will happen. And just kind of to tie it back up, uh, I think Kyrie Irving looks foolish for what he's doing right now. I mean, he's he's been proven, and I understand it's the message he's making is good, but the way he's kind of laying it out is is weak, in my opinion, because LeBron James, on the other hand, has said something I thought was the best thing any superstar could have said. I still feel like we can play in Orlando and at the same time advocate for social justice and reform. So... That's all I really have to say about that. But if you guys have any, again, closing comments about this, it's just there's a lot that goes into this, definitely. No, yeah, I, 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 I completely agree with uh, LeBron's statement and um, and your statement as well, Lucas. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. So 
kind of going to a team now that will not be in the bubble, the New York Knicks. Man, I know me, me and Gregory, we're Knicks fans here. Ed, you're a Nets fan. But hard. Yep, we're me and Gregory are both dire Knicks fans, and uh, we just we want to see our team make the right move, the right hire, in particular in this case. So, in wake of the Knicks firing David Fisdale, and by the way, he did not deserve to lose his job. It is not the fault of the coach. It is a, a systemic issue with James Dolan. It's David Fisdale just had to take the fall for it. I'll just quit PSA. But anyway, a tentative list has formed of potential candidates. The names include, but aren't limited to, Tom Thibodeau, Kenny Atkinson, which, Ed, I know you have, you, you have a lot to say about. Mike, very much. Mike Woodson, Becky Hammond, Mike Miller, and Mark Jackson. It's a really good sign to see a new team president, Leon Rose, casting a wide net in the search, as Dolan, in the past, has been known to look at celebrities, Dolan loyalists. So it's good that Leon, it's, we're seeing Leon Rose kind of uh, get a lot of names in there. Hot take here, but my pick is Becky Hammond. The Knicks could use a total re- culture reset. They've been needing that for decades and vastly improve their public image after in the wake of Spike Lee being kicked out of the... Not kicked out, excuse me, but... That whole elevator incident, the Charles Oakley incident, Dolan banning teenagers. They need a public image reset. They could do that. What better way to do that than to hire the NBA's first ever female coach? That would change the way that the whole team is perceived even. And also, not just because she's a female. She actually deserves the job. She spent seven seasons on the bench with, again, this is up for debate, the greatest coach in league history, Greg Popovich. You can say Phil Jackson... Steve Kerr, even. But Greg Popovich is right up there. Hiring anyone from the Spurs coaching tree is always a good idea. Has proven with Mike Budenholzer, who won Coach of the Year and led the Hawks to a 61 season five years ago, among others. For those two reasons, being, you know, a culture reset with and the public image uh, also reset with hiring the first ever female coach and the fact that she spent years under Popovich, Becky Hammond is my pick. In terms of second choices, I wouldn't mind Tom Thibodeau or Mark Jackson. But what do you guys think? And also, all these names are very qualified, good candidates, but Becky Hammond for me. But what do you guys think? Um, okay, so first off, I think the Knicks should hire Mark Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw what Mark Jackson did with the early Warriors dynasty. We saw how he kind of formated Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and what, what they are today. And Draymond, and too. That team. Yeah. Draymond as well. Thank you, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see Mark Jackson, you know, an ex-Nick player. Yep. Um, I just, I think Mark Jackson is my guy for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think, do I think uh, James Doland is going to be, is going to be out there going to hire Becky Hammond? You know, James Dolan is going to be James Dolan. Um, and I hate to say it, but I don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's stupid that James Dolan will probably look over this. Um, I think Becky Hammond is a great choice for the job. I think so too. I just uh, don't think that James Dolan going to pull the trigger on that. Um, as for Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> I know Ed has a lot to say about why he is not a good coach, um, and I'm going to bring you into that in a second. Um, Personally, you know, I thought he did a pretty good job of doing what he did, like having what he had in Brooklyn. I in agree. Those tough years. I agree. I thought he did a good job with that. I understand why Ed does not like him with the uh, with with what he did with the team. 
Um, and and from my point of view, and also hearing, you know, as Ed being a diehard Nets fan, um, knowing what he did in Brooklyn in those crucial plays, I think that I think that I would not want Kenny Atkinson as as our as our head coach. I think um, I think the Knicks really should hire. Um, Becky Hammond or Mark Jackson. Um, Ed, if you want to speak on oh. Kenny Atkinson on what he did to your uh, to your Brooklyn Nets, yeah, yeah. Well, Kenny Atkinson is a he's a pretty special coach. You know, he, he wasn't well known when the Nets originally hired him, and he, he's more of a, a player coach. He's really good at developing talent, but he's not the greatest in-game coach. You know, he, he took a bunch of like underrated G League guys, late round first uh, late first round picks. You know, he turned those guys into pretty solid talents. You know, he took Joe Harris off the Cleveland uh, G League team, turned him into a lethal three point shooter and one time three point uh champion. Then he took uh Spencer Dinwiddie off the the uh Detroit Pistons G League team and turned him into a, a solid starting caliber point guard who averages twenty plus points a game. And uh you know, you see what he did with D'Lo. He turned Karis LeVert into a, a pretty good all-around player. You know, I think he could help the Knicks, you know, develop guys like Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett. Uh-huh. But I think aside from that, you got to go with somebody that has experience, such as Mark Jackson or Tom Thibodeau. I don't think Tom Thibodeau goes to the Knicks. I think somehow he lands in Brooklyn. But I think out of those guys, I'd probably go Mark Jackson or... Maybe they re-signed Mike Miller, but out of those two guys, I'd probably stick with one of them. Well, I'm going to give... Do... Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I do love your point of how Kenny Atkinson built built those G League players. But, you know, like you said, I mean, some of those crunch time minute plays that Kenny Atkinson had, um, I believe one time he went to, uh, who was it, Jared Dudley? Jared Dudley. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, come on! Like you can't. You got it. You got to go to one of your young up and coming. D'Angelo Russell. Why, yeah, that's why I don't think that the Knicks should should hire Kenny Atkinson. Um, we have a whole bunch of talent that needs that needs to develop and that needs those big time shots and plays. And like you said, that um, those crunch time minutes really really shouldn't be in the hands of Kenny Atkinson and be into the hands of somebody more experienced. But I do agree that he uh, that he. He definitely developed those those talents of the Spencer Dinwiddies in the world, and the uh, Leverts in the world, and the Harrises of the world. Um, he he definitely developed that team really well. Um, Ed, I'm sure you're psyched of the position that your Brooklyn Nets are in, and then maybe we can get some insight on who you want to to be the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets after Lucas is done. Yeah, I just wanted to add one name to that list i'm gonna add this name for you guys mike woodson woody we for, wow. everybody forget it forget it forgets about him mike woodson believe it or not is one of three coaches this century of the knicks to have a winning season i i mean yeah i believe so he went 54 and 28 in 2012 13 with a pretty veteran-led roster a few young guys you had jr you had iman Melo is the centerpiece but Mike Woody Woodson, he knows how to coach, and he knows how to win in New York. He proved it. In fact, even the season after they went 54-28, and he only was one game out of the playoffs. One game. They went 37-45 and the next year. 
I wouldn't mind him. I mean, I think he's a little bit better as an assistant to a top name. But keep your eye on Woody because he won, has won in New York before. So, yeah, here's a take too. Bring Kenny Atkinson as a player coach on the bench. Yeah. Get him as an assistant. Get one of these veteran guys as the headpiece. Let Kenny Atkinson develop RJ, Mitchell, Knox. And, you know, whoever that, yeah, yeah Knox, please. He you know, needs do something he need, with Knox. Yeah, he needs a lot but, of yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that that would be ideal because we all know what Kenny Atkinson did in Brooklyn with those with those young players. But yeah, Ed, like Gregory mentioned, uh, I'm now really interested to see, you know, after me and Gregory gave our picks for head coach of the Knicks, I want Becky Hammond, Gregory's in agreement there, plus Mark Jackson. Who would you want to see as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets to lead that team going into the future? Oh, jeez. You know, this is a real critical time for us. You know, we finally have star talent, and we can really make a push for the championship next year or, or in 2021. Nope. I feel like we definitely have enough scoring to go around, but I think we definitely need a defensive-minded coach. And it wouldn't hurt to have someone with some experience, too, especially playoff experience, because most of that team has only gone to the playoffs once or twice except for maybe Kyrie and KD. So if I had to choose, I'd like to see Thibodeau. And I like that. I wouldn't mind bringing uh, Jason Kidd back as an assistant. Okay. I, I like that. I feel like he'd be a really good assistant for Kyrie. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to disagree on both fronts with you, and here's why. You don't like Tiff for that job? Let me just – let me let me say why. Okay. Let, me say, right. let me say why. Thibodeau – he does have a reputation of being a good defensive coach, good defensive schemes. You know, the early Chicago Bulls or the early 2010 Chicago Bulls with Derrick Rose, Butler, Taj Gibson, Cup Boozer, that the whole the whole gang there. Tom Thibodeau, on the other hand, is awful at developing relationships with players. We saw that in Minnesota, did we not? With Jimmy Butler and Thibodeau, they clashed all the time. Jimmy Butler actually endorsed Thibodeau. You know, because he used to be his coach in Chicago to come to Minnesota. And when he got there, Thibodeau didn't really care that much about his relationship. Carl Anthony Towns wasn't very happy with him. I don't think Thibodeau is suited, suited for the modern game. I think in the early 2000s or 90s, you know, when team chemistry and things of that nature weren't as prevalent and front and center as they are now, maybe Thibodeau would have... He's like a 90s hard-nosed coach. I don't think in the modern era... I think he's the best suited as a defensive um, assistant specialist coach. Him leading a team, we've seen how locker rooms break down with Thibodeau before. So I think that's a big risk uh, in terms of that. And kind of just, let's say he was coaching the Nets, I don't think he would last a season with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Both of them have crazy unpredictable. I'd say them two, they might have the most most unpredictable personalities in the league, especially Kyrie. We've seen him. He can be a, a more emotional than than anything. He's a very emotional guy at the core, and Kevin Durant's very sensitive to everything as well. So I don't think Thibodeau would mesh with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, specifically Kyrie, so I don't think he's the best pick for you guys. I, I fully understand that point, Lucas. Another coach that just popped into my mind that I would not mind being our head coach next season is Tyron Lue. Mm -hmm. I figured he's got some experience with Kyrie. You know, you could kind of compare KD and LeBron maybe a little bit you know, he's worked with star players. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good talent on that team. You know, I, I think he could be a decent coach next season. 
Anyone, anyone but Jason Kidd. That's all I have to say. I'm not a big. <laughs> I'm not I a big. See more waters put all over the court again. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a very big Jason Kidd fan. I'm gonna just say that right now. I'm really not. I don't think he's. I don't. I don't like. I don't like the plays he draws up. I don't like his relationship with players. I. I don't like. He. He just embarrasses. I don't. I don't know. He. I don't think he's suited for a head coach role. But go ahead, Gregory. I think. I think that. Uh, to to wrap it up for my for my end, I think that the uh, the Brooklyn Nets are in way better position that they ever could have imagined after that horrific trade. Oh, that was the worst trade in NBA history. Um they are they are probably <laughs> I'd say top three in the league when healthy with Kyrie and K D. Um I think, you know, Ed, you have a lot to look forward to, unlike me and Lucas. Um it's really gonna be interesting to see how the Brooklyn Nets handle this this hiring, um, and and how that how that really propels them to that championship. I would love to see the Brooklyn Nets win a championship after that horrific trade. The Brooklyn, oh, me too. I would really love to see that. I mean, as a Knicks fan, it would hurt, but you know what? That would be that would be a great turnaround in under in the, what almost a it under a ten year span period. You are, they had little to nothing. They you, had little to nothing. Um, and that turnaround was a great turnaround. Um, uh, your GM did a great job. So let's see if he does another great job with a, with a, with a great hiring for their head coaching position. Yeah, I'm going to wrap this up with a hot take. The Brooklyn Nets, if with the East as per- currently constructed, won't make it out of the second round. They won't make it out of the second round. Damn. They, they, listen, I'm, listen to this. They're not going to beat Philadelphia. They're not going to beat Boston. The healthy KD. I mean, you got Ben. Healthy KD. You That's got KD tore his Achilles. We don't know what he's going to look like. And also, Kyrie played like nineteen or twenty games with them. We don't know what they look like. We haven't seen Kevin Durant play in okay, not counting his game and a half he played in the finals in basically a year. Okay, so look, we haven't seen him play Kevin Durant plays last since last season. We don't know how players respond after. A torn Achilles. It's not good. We saw with you know rest in peace Kobe Bryant after he tore his Achilles, he was never the same player again. They don't make it. They, they don't honestly with a with a Kevin Durant. Let's say eighty percent of what he used to be and Kyrie Irving there and the rest of the gang. They don't make it out of the second round. I don't see them beating Boston in the. I don't see them beating Boston. I don't. They're definitely not beating Milwaukee. I'll tell you that much. They're definitely not beating Milwaukee. Uh, Toronto is a toss-up. Toronto had a very good season. Philadelphia could upset them. Even Miami in the next. I, I, I'm not very high on Brooklyn. They, they 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 need another piece. I don't I don't think Kevin Durant. If Kevin, listen, if this was pre-injury Kevin Durant, there I would completely be saying the opposite of what I'm saying right now. But with the Kevin Durant we know, and the Kyrie Irving, I, he I didn't really I wasn't a big fan of the way he played uh, before he got hurt. They don't make it out of the second round. That's what I think. But I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment. On, I don't. I can't really say. I want to hear Ed's. I want to hear Ed's take on uh on where they go. Yeah. The hell, with with a non healthy Katie and with a healthy Katie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think they may struggle with Boston and Milwaukee. The Seventy Sixers and the Heat. I don't know. I don't think the Heat are really that good. I hate to say it. I think a healthy Nets team would beat the Heat easy. No. Seventy Sixers. Mm, that's pushing it. I don't know. That that they, was close. They gave they gave a they gave the Sixers a hard time last year. Five games. You would call that hard? 
Five. Okay, yeah, but those those five games were exciting. They I were. Let me ask you a question: Who who on the Nets can handle Al Horford and Embiid at the same time? Who? Just answer that. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's that's fair. They they don't have they, they don't, don't have the they don't have the center position. Philadelphia okay. F- F- Philly's starting five is every you know their their shortest player is six six in their starting lineup. You got Ben Simmons, six foot ten point guard, Josh Richardson, big six foot six shooting guard, Tobias Harris, six foot nine, Al Horford and Joel Embiid, both giants, seven feet. Don't tell me the Nets Ky- Kyrie Irving will be proven ineffective. <laughs> Ineffective. A healthy, a healthy Nets team. This is not Lucas. This is not two K. <laughs> a healthy Nets team is gonna. Who are you taking in a seven game series, Philadelphia or Brooklyn? A healthy Brooklyn team, Brooklyn. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. I don't. I don't agree with a that. But team. when they're clicking, yeah. Well, now now it's just a wait and see. We this this whole question really just hangs in the balance of whether Kevin Durant is going to be himself again. We don't know. So. If, we, they, if they hire a good coach as well, it's it just depends on the coaching pick and Kevin Durant's health. Because one healthy Kevin Durant, I've I've said this for years, and I'm going to say it again, the most unguardable offensive player in the history of the NBA. I'm going to say that a fully healthy Kevin Durant, there is not one person in the league today that can guard him. Not one, not one. There is there's not one. You cannot name me one player that can hold him under 25 points. But I do want to move on here. So it we will this it, it is a wait and see type thing, but um. Yeah, so another wait-and-see type thing is the free agent list and, you know, will there be a free agency and when the offseason will be because everything's kind of up in the air right now. But one thing I like to do, especially on Share the Rock, is talk about, you know, where potential free agents might go and things of that nature. So I'm just going to list the top 10 free agents and what I think the result of their free agency will be. You got Anthony Davis, who's the biggest name in this class by far. I don't think he leaves LeBron James and the supporting cast in Los Angeles. But if he does, if he does decide pull, you know, pull a uh, something crazy on us, I want to see him in Chicago. You know, he's from there. Him and Zach Levine, Kobe White, Lowry Markinen, Otto Porter. That could be a very interesting up and coming team in the East. If they add Anthony Davis, that team is right up in the playoff mix. So I think he fits perfectly with Chicago. That's where I want to see him go. Next, you got Draymond Green, who I don't even think I need to talk much about this. He's staying in Golden State. You know, I don't think there's much to talk about there. I just think he's going to stay with Stephen Clay. Mike Conley, going to stay with Donovan Mitchell in Utah and Rudy Gobert. I'm just going to go real quick through the rest of these. Andre Drummond, I want to see him in Boston. Boston is has been missing a center ever since Al Horford went to Philadelphia. <coughs> Excuse me, went to Philadelphia. So Andre Drummond, I want to see on in, on the Celtics. I think it'd be a very good fit. Gordon Hayward, I know Gregory has something to say about that later. Uh, say about him later. Uh, Ed, I'm gonna agree with your take here. I think I think him uh, over with Trey Young in Atlanta would be very good. I think they're the only position they're missing, or one of the only positions they're missing, is an established small forward. You got DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, but those are the young guys. They need to learn from a veteran. So Gordon Hayward, I want to see him in Atlanta, but depending on the money, probably might. Probably will stay. DeMar DeRozan, I think he's gone. And I'm going to give you a team, the Los Angeles Clippers. I think that he will sign for a cheap deal to team up with his old buddy Kawhi. And I think him in, you know, Clippers or Lakers, honestly. But I think I can see DeMar being a player that takes a cheaper deal. 
not like a, venom, a veteran's minimum, but like a $12, $14 million deal to team up with Kawhi and PG or LeBron and AD. So DeMar in Los Angeles, I'd love to see that. Eric Gordon staying with Houston, small ball scheme, nothing really to talk about there. Hassan Whiteside, I think he's going to stay in Portland as well. Him and Nurkic make up a nice front court. Brandon Ingram, I think he's going to stay in New Orleans. He's going to get a nice fat check from New Orleans. Him and Zion, Lonzo, Josh Hart, the whole young gang there. But I think that there's, he's going to get a lot of nice offers. So Ingram remains to be seen either anywhere it goes, it's going to be on a max contract. Fred Van Fleet. He's going to the Knicks. I'm calling it now. I've seen that. I've seen reports of that before. I'm a big fan of Freddie. You know, he had a great, you know, us three, we watched the finals together. He clutched up in those games. And I know you guys remember that. He hit some big time shots. Fred Van Fleet, Knicks. They need a point guard. Young, nice young gut. Van Fleet to the Knicks. That's my prediction. But um, if you guys just want to talk about a few of those guys and what, what your predictions are. Yeah, I think... Uh... I'm just going to go down the list like you did. I think uh, Anthony Davis, I think he's going to say, as a Knicks fan, I would like to see him um, in in the blue and orange. But I think he I think he stays with the purple and gold. And I think he stays with LeBron. I think he's I think he's all in with L.A. I don't, you know, with the Knicks, they're, you know, whatever's going on in the garden, you know, that whole – that whole problematic uh, culture there. I don't think I don't think he's going to go to the the next. I think he, I think he stays in LA. I would like to see him in the in the uh, blue and orange, but I don't think it's going to happen. Draymond Warriors, no nothing there. Mike Conley, uh, he's staying with the Jazz. He didn't really get to play with them that much. I feel I feel like he's going to stay. Andre Drummond, uh, Boston. I would like to see him in Boston, um, just because they don't have a big man. Those 20, 20 rebounds a game could really help them um, make the push for the finals. Gordon Hayward, I, I think he stays. Um, I think, uh, you know, with the injury that he that he had um, in the beginning of the, what was it, 2018 season, I believe? 17, right? 2017. 2017? With the, with the injury that he sustained with that, I think that he stays um, just because he's never really taken off from that from that injury he's he's kind of been pushed back by tatum um i do i feel like he he's a great fit in boston um with brad stevens there being his former college coach i feel like he loves boston i think that he stays i think that not a lot of teams are going to give him good money that he wants because of because of his performance after his uh broken ankle i believe um which is very sad to say. Gordon Hayward's a great player. He was, I was when he signed with Boston. I thought it was over. I thought Boston was going to be a huge team. Um, it's just really sad that his injury, and then he was never really the same after his injury. Um, I, but that's why he. That's why I think he's going to stay because there's not there's not a lot of teams that are going to give him the money that he wants. Yes, besides ball. I agree. Uh, Demar Derozan. I think he leaves. I don't think he wants to be in San Antonio at all. Um, with the trade to bring Kawhi to the Raptors, um, I think I think he'll end up in LA. Um, or or maybe maybe see him maybe see him in a Knicks uniform as well. That'd be cool to see. Um, either either the Clippers, Lakers, or the Knicks. 
Eric Gordon. I think he stays with Milwaukee. Houston. I think he stays with uh, Portland. Eric Eric Gordon's on the Rockets, just just to throw that. Sorry. No, I'm just saying Eric Gordon's in in Houston, not Milwaukee. Oh, sorry. I thought. I was was thinking of uh, Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just saying. Yeah, my bad. No, you're good. I think Eric Gordon will stay with the Rockets. Mm -hmm. My bad. No, it's good. Um, Hassan Whiteside, I think he's going to stay with the Trailblazers. Brendan Ingram, he's going to try to leave. He's going to get a lot of offers, and the Pelicans are going to match. And then for Fred Van Vliet, I think he stays with the Rockets. Uh, Raptors, but yeah. The Raptors, wow. I'm, I'm all messed up right Don't now. worry, man. It's a little late at night. We're all good here. Go ahead, Ed. All right. Well, to start off with Anthony Davis, I do not see him going anywhere. I think he re-signs with LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, Draymond, he's obviously not going anywhere. Uh, Mike Conley, you know, didn't play much. I think uh, the Jazz took another chance to re-sign him to a nice two-year deal. Drummond, you know, he may go to Boston, but I don't know if Boston wants to spend that kind of money on him because they do have to re-sign Tatum and Brown soon. I mm. think Dallas has that type of money, and they're willing to get a third star for them. I hate to say it, but I think Drummond's going to Dallas. Uh, Gordon Hayward, you know, I don't think that Boston is going to give him a huge offer. I think a new team will definitely give him a better offer. And I, I, I kind of like to see, you know, Gordon Hayward and uh, Trey Young playing together. Uh, for DeMar, I think he's either going to go to the Knicks or, you know, I would really like to see him go back to Toronto. As see cool. him and Kyle Lowry going back together again. I feel like that would be really cool. Uh, Eric. Oh, yeah. Now that he's playing better, that team might not be bad if he goes back. They're good now uh, Eric, without him. Yeah, that, that would probably give him a nice big boost. Uh, Eric Gordon, he's probably staying with the Rockets. Hassan, he's definitely staying with the Trailblazers. Um, Brandon Ingram, I'm sure he would definitely like to get out of New Orleans, but uh, I don't think the Pelicans will let him. And then Van Fleet. I hate to say it, but I think he's going to stay with the Raptors. Nah, Knicks. Van Fleet's going to the Knicks. I'm telling you this. Like, the Knicks are in. The Knicks need a point, a young point guard with potential. And Van Fleet's the kind of guy where you don't have to pay him like 25 mil a year. You can pay him like 12 or 14, and he's going to be give. I, I'm a big Van Fleet fan. I, I think he's really underrated. I think he gives great minutes uh, offensively and defensively. He's a great passer, pretty solid shooter as well. Um, but I, I, can I can go I ahead. Go, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, which will which will transition into our next final topic. But I I would like to see the Knicks draft draft a nice point guard in Lamelo or mm. a, uh, mm. or somebody else in that matter and kind of pass on Fred uh, Fred VanVleet and try to develop another young young uh, young player. Yeah. So that's actually a great segue into what I wanted to talk about uh, last year with you guys. And this has been almost every basketball diehard fan's biggest mental kind of grapple here for the past year or two. Do you buy the hype on LaMelo? Because this is a guy that's a six foot seven point guard, can shoot the lights out, and is a pretty good distributor and pretty athletic. But with LaMelo, you're also drafting LeVar and the whole Ball family, and we know what that can look like. But, again, I've said this on previous 
uh, episodes of Share the Rock, and I'll, I'll say it again. LeVar, I do give him credit. The pa- Ever since Lonzo was traded to the Pelicans, even before that, he's been pretty quiet lately, so I, I will give him credit. He hasn't really opened his mouth and talked too much, but around the time Lonzo was entering the draft and was at UCLA especially, we uh, almost couldn't stop hearing about him and how great Lonzo was and and everything else. So I just think that I don't, I'm a LaMelo Ball hater. I am a lot higher on him now than I was, say, two months ago. But I he, I think he has bust written all over him. I'm sorry. He, I, I think he could be the bust of this draft. I really do. Because, you know, again, I'm going to emphasize this. He will either be a top all-star player or he will be a bust. There is no in-between for him. He's not going to be some solid role player, rotation guy. He's either going to be the starting point guard on the All Star or on an All Star team, or he's going to be a total flame out. And really, what I'm saying is, I'm so unsure of which it'll be. I'm leaning towards bust right now, just simply due to, you know, his father, and I don't. I'm not sure if he can handle the bright lights of New York yet, and I don't. I'm not sure if his jumper and body is there all there yet. Maybe he could use another year in the professional league or in college or not college, but. Maybe he, he, he could use one more year to prepare his body. I'm not sure his body's there. But my take on LaMelo is he is either, you know, MVP boom or complete flame out. I don't think it's any in between. So it's, it's, it's you're, you're swinging. You're either going to, you know, hit the fences or you're just going to pop out. So that's where I'm at. And, you know, quick shout out. I think I'm Anthony Edwards to Anthony Edwards. He is, I have no doubts about him. I think he should be the first pick. And, any team that drafts him is immediately better than before. So Anthony Edwards and LaMelo kind of my two top players in this draft. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards is safer, and I think LaMelo has the highest ceiling, but also the lowest floor, if you guys know what I mean by that. So, what, Ed, uh, so Ed, I, I want to ask you, do you buy the hype on LaMelo, especially you know after he grew to 6'7 and has put up very good stats in a professional league in Australia? You know, I'm not really sure. You know, you, you see him playing in high school. You know, you think he's going to UCLA, and all that stuff happens. And he's playing overseas. You know, I mean, he did play very well. You know, I I think he'll be the first overall pick. But you know, I'm I'm not really sure. You know, I'm not too sure about the competition over there. You know, it's not a big league. There's not too many real like former NBA players playing over there. You know, I, I think he's a, a good all-around guy, but I, I just don't see him being like a, a star in this league. I think he'll be like his brother. He'll be an average starting point guard for a team. But if I'm taking somebody with the number one pick, I'm probably going Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. You know, he does have shooting concerns. He didn't shoot the ball so well from three. I think he only shot like 28 or 29%. I think if he can work on that, he will be the best player out of this draft class. Hmm. Gregory, you want to... Um, first, I'd like to say, uh, I think Lonzo Ball handled his dad extremely well. I agree. Um, cutting him out. And if LaMelo takes a page out of Lonzo's book, I think LaMelo can be a solid player in the NBA. Do I buy the all-star MVP hype? I don't know. His his jumper is kind of, you know, it's 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 like when Lonzo came in the league, 
Um, it's not, you know, it's not smooth. Um, it's kind of wonky. Um, and like you said, Lucas, his body is not there. I, you know, Ed, I don't agree with the, with the competition. I think the competition is great in Australia. I agree with that. Um, as well. I think that it was, it was a great choice for Lamelo to go to Australia after, um, his run with, uh, the JBA and the, um, <laughs> And and his uh, short stint with Spire, I think uh, Lamelo was very smart to go to Australia with that. Um, do I buy Do I buy the Lamelo height? Uh, not really. What I like to say though is that this draft class is very interesting. We were high. We were very very high in the beginning of the college season with uh, players like Cole Anthony and R.J. Hampton, um, and they've kind of gone under the radar at this point. Um, yeah. Good reason. I mean, Cole Anthony did not really live up to expectations in UNC. He had a very bad supporting cast. I'll he say did not. That. He did have a very that was that was not a good UNC team. Um, and I know Ed likes to watch UNC, but I think Anthony. I think Anthony Edwards is the safer pick out of Georgia to go number one. Do I buy the Lamelo hype? Not really, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Lamelo does have several things going for him. His his height for a lead guard is very solid. You know, just being able to be six foot seven, and he's, uh, you know, that this is the thing. I have trouble knocking him because he could be so so good. And I like I, I you know I don't want to go on air and on the record and be trashing him now and him proving me wrong in two years from now or even a year. But I just think that. More than anything, he just needs to prove some uh, consistency. You know, like I, I just think that while uh, it is true, Ed, um, I also don't agree that the competition is not up to par. The I, I actually think the NBL in Australia is the second best league in the world to, to the NBA in terms of competition. You know, your Lamelo was literally playing against you know thirty year old grown men, uh, and and he was putting up great numbers and clutch shots, but. I just think that there's always going to be a bias whenever a player doesn't play in the NCAA or, you know, in the bright lights of the United States where the NBA is based or where the NBA is. I think people will think that for some reason that player will be worse or not better off simply because they played overseas. And that, that stigma is not necessarily true. But, man, I just – I'm so indecisive about him. Last thing I'll say before we're almost approaching an hour here, guys, but so we'll have to wrap up soon. But last thing I'll say is my pick has been and probably will be unless something radically changes, Cole Anthony out of UNC. Cole Anthony. For two reasons. One, I think he is a great shooter, a great passer, a great lead guard. I think he has that killer mindset. His dad was Greg An- is Greg Anthony, played for the Knicks in the 90s, the Rough Rider Knicks of the 90s. Two, if, if the Knicks have the second pick, let's say, why not trade back six slots, pick up two first-rounders, and draft Cole Anthony? This worked for the Hawks. They picked up Trey Young and an extra first. You know, you could say that Luka Doncic is kind of gone here. Uh, I mean, Luka Doncic is better than Trey, but they got Trey and a first. So uh, this, question's is, this question is for Gregory mostly. If the Knicks have the second, third pick, because we know Cole Anthony won't be a top-five pick, most likely, would you want to see the Knicks trade back and pick up a um, an extra asset or two and take Cole Anthony? Let's 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 say they have this, like I said, the third pick, and they trade back to eight. They pick up an, like a first and a second, and they get Cole. Would you want that to happen? That 
that would be I think that might be ideal for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. But I mean can can we can we put it out in hypothetical terms and let's see what the Knicks do and like take the chance with LaMelo? Like how great would that be if they pick up LaMelo and RJ too. Yeah. yeah, everybody's, you know, hating on the Knicks for picking up LaMelo and LaMelo just shines. I mean, that would be that would be crazy. That'd be unreal for New York. Is it safe? No, it is not safe for them to do that. But that would be really, really, really cool to see from the Knicks. Um, but I, I think that I think the smartest choice and the best choice for the Knicks, if they have the third pick, move down, get a get two picks out of it. Maybe a, try to get Cole Anthony, get a guard, get somebody else um, in the front court that can. That can uh, be with Mr. Robinson. I don't think uh, I don't think Julius Randle's good um, for New York. Agreed. Particular, I think I think they need another young guy. I think they just need to build young players. Um, but yeah, I I think that they should move down if they if they get a later like a two three four five pick. Ed, uh, last question before we have to wrap up here, guys. Do you have any prospects on the radar for the Nets to pick up that you've been looking at? Because I don't think the Nets will have a top, even like a lottery pick. But, you know, we have seen the Nets have success towards the end of the first round with Jared Allen, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And, you know, they did actually draft Kuzma, but they traded him to L.A., obviously. But with Hollis Jefferson and uh, Jared Allen, those were both great picks. So do you have any prospects that kind of catch your eye as a Nets fan right now? Um, There was one guy I really liked. Uh, his name is Josh Green. He's a shooting guard from Arizona. I don't, I don't know if he'll fall to us, but I would really, really like him. He's a very underrated defender, very good at scoring the basketball, and I think he would be a really good bench piece. And if not, you know, I, I'd like to see them maybe go after uh, Precious from uh, Memphis. Mm-hmm. Nice four, because I don't think we really have too much depth at the four. I think one of those two guys, if we can get them, that would be a real good addition to the team. I think Vernon Carey Jr. from Duke is a very good selection towards towards the end of the first round. He's very underrated, but uh, he puts up. He's a, a really good interior force. Some point in the twenties, he he might be a great pick for Brooklyn. I mean, bet, as a, at that backup power forward slot, I, 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 I'm a big fan of Carey personally. I don't know if you guys have seen any anything of Carey this past year, but. Yeah, I like I like Harry. I also like uh, I also like Josh Green. Like uh, like Ed said, if if the Brooklyn Nets can pick up Josh Green, mm-hmm. um, I think he's a good scorer out of Arizona. Six six two ten. Um, you know, at the guard position, um, mm-hmm. you know, middle of the pack height, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. I think he could be a I think he could be a good asset for uh, Brooklyn. Hundred percent. And before we wrap up, final thing I'll say: the NBA draft is being held in. Is it is it October? I believe I I think the the, the lottery is in August and the actual draft is a few weeks uh, after that. But we yeah we all we have to see how the uh, how the uh, NBA return to play uh, foils up um, and see what that happens and then we can we can move on to the draft. Yeah, the so draft. The, the NBA draft is October fifteenth. Okay. All right, so unfortunately, we have reached the hour mark here, and uh, that actually that do means that we have to uh, 
wrap things up tonight. But um, I just want to say to you guys, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we had some great uh, conversations. Each of you had some pretty good or bad, in my opinion, takes. You know, I don't have to agree with everything, but um, I, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate your guys' time and, uh, and, and, and energy tonight. No problem. Thank you for having us. Yep. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, of course. So you can catch Share the Rock. Uh, I don't want to say every Thursday at noon anymore. I have been a, I've been quite busy lately. But you can catch Share the Rock weekly someday at noon in the next few weeks. Uh, we haven't re- we haven't exactly been consistent with uploading, but we're gonna try to get back to that. You know, with more NBA news and things coming out. Uh, there's gonna be more episodes in the future. So again, thank Corey Brewer on the show. That's all I got to say. Wrong guy. But anyway, that's a little sneak peek. And thank you for tuning in. Stay safe.